Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. This is our midweek service where we dive deeper into the Word of God, studying the Bible together as a body. We invite you to grab your Bibles, open your minds, and prepare to search the Scriptures with us. We are Relationship Church, the Whole Life Church. 2 Samuel, he's saying here, he's saying that uh, as for God, I want you to remember this part, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. Remember those four words. His way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven, proven. So, and, and we'll talk about that. Remember that word proven. We're going to go to Romans chapter number one, actually probably be our last verse tonight. But I want you to remember that part there where it says the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield for all who trust him, a shield for all who trust him. So he's saying that that the Lord, how how can we, because many people will say, uh, well, you know, the Muslims have their way and you know, the Hindu have their way and they have their temples and, you know, all these different areas have have their way. But the Lord has never been the Lord has never been slack. He has never been afraid. The Lord, the Lord God has never been uh, in a position where he was afraid to proclaim himself as the only true and living God. He's never been in a place where he was afraid to claim to be the only God who mattered. Uh, he was never uh, afraid to uh, demand that his name be capitalized, so to speak, uh, that we put G in a in an uppercase G. And so while the world that we live in today, everybody wants to say, well, they have their way and they have their way. And how can we send them to hell just because um, they don't know the true and living God because they know their own God. And so maybe the, maybe heaven is going to be everybody following their own way. But God is very clear. In fact, in the Old Testament, that was really their first commandment was, hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. And so he's never been afraid to uh, to declare that he is the only God. So that's what we really want to talk about tonight is the greatness of God, the greatness and, and the majesticness, uh, the majesty, rather, of his name. Uh, so, again, going back to Second uh, Samuel chapter number 22 and verse number 31, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. There is no slack concerning God. We don't have to wonder if maybe God made a mistake, if maybe it's possible sometimes that he doesn't really have all the answers. And, and we'll talk about a little later why that is. But he says, as for God, his ways are perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. So if you had any question about it, it has been put to the test. The things of God have been put to the test. And in fact, as I was preparing for Bible study, I began to think about Sunday and the message that we had on Sunday and how um, with, with, um, with Sunday, uh, we talked about Daniel. And when we were talking about Daniel, we were talking about Daniel from the standpoint of the integrity that Daniel had. And we talked about living a conscientious life. Unfortunately, uh, for those of you that missed it, it was not recorded this past Sunday. Uh, and it was not on Zoom, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, but we talked about living a conscientious life and how to live a life that is not only pleasing to God, but that puts us in a good rapport with the people around us, puts us in a place where we'll be able to promote on our jobs and, and have a good rapport uh, uh, with people and with our, uh, the people that are in charge uh, at our jobs and things like that. And so 
the but what the the point that I want to bring out though is that when you look in the book of Daniel, especially those first six chapters that I talked about, uh, you guys going back and reading, and I'm sorry, the video is not so great tonight. Um, I don't know. This is where I normally sit, but I don't know why. For some reason, the lighting is just not right tonight. Uh, but, um, but uh, what one thing that we know about Daniel? Yes, he was a very conscientious person. He was very wise, uh, and we looked at him from that standpoint. But I was thinking about how all of the things that Daniel did, how God showed Himself strong through Daniel, so much so that you know Daniel was thrown in the lion's den for refusing to worship other gods. He said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to pray to my God. I'm not praying to the king, uh, like this edict said that I had to for the next 30 days. And they threw him in the lion's den. Now his, his, his rapport and who he was had already spoken for him. And the kind of person that he was had already spoken for him because he was high up in the king's court. But the thing about it is that, uh, the king had made an edict, so he had to do it. But here's what's so interesting to me is that because of the readiness of Daniel to always be in, always be in prayer, always be seeking the Lord, that when it came down to him going into the lion's den, the relationship that he had with God, we don't read that he panicked. We don't read that he freaked out. We don't read that he was nervous. What we read is that he went into the lion's den and the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. And he called back to the king when the king came down the next day, unable to sleep. And, and so then the king was like, okay, Maybe maybe we need to praise the name of your God. Maybe we need to pray to your God. Uh, and, and so God constantly did things like that all throughout the scripture so that if anybody ever had a question as to whether or not um, God is the only God that is really to be praised, the only God that is to be worshiped, the only God that is to be honored, he would show them time and time and time again. And even when he allowed his own people to be defeated, he did it to show and to prove to them that they needed him. It wasn't because the other gods that the other people worship uh, uh, rallied for them and, and defeated the one and true living God. It was because the true and living God allowed his people to be taken into captivity. So he's saying here in 2 Samuel, he says, it's proven. He says his ways are proven. And so I like this because he says, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Verse 32 says, for who is the Lord except the Lord? <laughs> who is God? I'm sorry. For who is God except the Lord? So that, that sounds interesting, right? But what he's saying is, who is God except the Lord? He's not a God. He's the Lord. Who is God except the Lord? Singular. Not who is God except a Lord. No. Who is God except the Lord? Who is God except Yahweh? Okay. The one and true living God. And it says, and who is a rock except our God? And it says, God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. I like that part because we read earlier in the previous, uh, well, in verse 31, it says, the word of the Lord is proven. Uh, I'm sorry. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. It says his way is perfect. But then when we get down to verse 33, it says, God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. So we get to share in that perfection that comes in relationship with God. God is my strength and power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And he sets me on high places. He teaches my hand to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So who is the Lord? He is God. 
Who is the Lord? Someone whose ways have been proven. He is the greatness. So, so there's so many people, and I've even heard people who identify themselves as Christian, and they'll make comments and they'll say, Well, I just don't understand, you know, and 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not talking here necessarily about heaven or hell, because uh I, I can't say to you with a straight face that somebody that never heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God is just automatically sending them to hell. I'm definitely not saying that. I don't know. It's not my heaven, it's not my hell, and that's when even as a preacher, I'm excited to be able able to say that uh, it's it's definitely not my decision and God does not want my opinion. But what I am telling you is that there is one God that is to be praised, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the God of heaven. That is Yahweh. That is Adonai. That is the God who wrapped himself into sinful flesh and came down here. And his name is great. The scripture says his name is great. Okay, let's go to Second Chronicles real quick. Let's go to Second Chronicles real quick and see how can we say that God is the only God? How can we say that God is Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, excuse me. I'm going to start at verse number five and read five and six. But how can we say, how can we just say that, you know, that, that there's only one God? There's, there's, you know, literally all over the world, if you think about the vastness of the world, the vastness of the world, I mean, from countries you've never even heard of before. You know, all of the, you know, I don't even know how many countries in this world, all of the different hemispheres, uh, all of the different, um, all of the different uh, uh, countries, cities, states, uh, municipalities, uh, provinces all over the world. I mean, there's places, there's islands and, and things that that people don't even really know. I mean, there's uninhabited places that sometimes people are that are not really habited. How can we say that God is one God and he's the God over all? Well, let's look at Second Chronicles chapter number 20, verses 5 through 6. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? He says, so that no one is able to withstand you. No one is able to withstand you. So the important thing that he said here, as much as we've explored, as many planets as we found, as many galaxies uh, as people have seen and astrologers and they see the stars, well, the scripture tells us that God determines the numbers of the stars. He knows exa exactly how many stars are there. And the funny thing about it is all the things that they've discovered, they still have not discovered heaven. And so wherever it is that God is ruling from, whether it be a physical place or whether it be a, a spiritual kingdom, which we know it is, but they have not been able to discover it. They have not been able to find it. And so Jehoshaphat says here, oh, Lord God of our fathers, are you not? God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? He said, you're God in heaven. You rule over all. We, it, it, there's a reason that we always think of heaven as being really, 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 really high up. It's because God sees all, he rules over all, and God is all. So he's saying, you're the God of heaven. You are the God of heaven, okay? Let's look now, before we go to the New Testament, actually, let's go to Psalm 113, because we've been dealing with Old Testament, and we're going to deal with Old Testament a little bit more at the end, but we're going to switch over and look at the God of the New Testament, or the... Um, the, the power of God in the New Testament as we continue to uh, uh, defend, so to speak, the greatness of his name. Now look at Psalm chapter number 113, 
Psalm chapter 113. And I want to bring your attention to something. I want you all to see this verse um, in a light that uh, I had not really seen it or paid attention to it before. And I'm sure you've probably done the same thing. Uh, this, the song that we were listening to in the intro, uh, for those of you that, that were here, even toward the, uh, the end before we started, that hear the song, it was, it was a song by Maverick City Music. It says, great is your faithfulness to me. And then it says, from the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. OK, uh, and, and I like that song, but it's actually wrong. And, and let's look here at one, Psalm 113. It, it says and, and I don't get mixed up on words, so I, I'm fine with the song. I'll sing the song because even though it doesn't correctly, uh, even though it doesn't correctly quote the scripture, the concept is still there and in other places. And, and so there's nothing wrong with the song. I'm not saying don't sing the song. But but listen, he, they say from the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. And that's not what the scripture actually says. So Psalm 113, it says, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Look at that again. The, the Lord is high above all nations. How does he rule over all? How can we say he's above everything and above everyone? It's because he is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbled himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? And, and again, if there was ever any question about it, the scripture tells us that God proved it. He has proved himself time and time again. And, and you can call it coincidence, but there's a little too much stacked up against the, the other gods. Even when you look way back to Elijah and how he wet the sacrifices and said, let the God, let the God who is the true and living God answer by fire. And, and, and when he began to pray that prayer, uh, they prayed all night and the scripture says they cut themselves and did all kind of crazy things and no fire came. But when Elijah began to pray, fire came down from heaven and licked up all the water, it says, the fire licked up all the water that was even in the trenches while their altar sat there still dry, still with no fire. And so God has proved over and over and over again that there's no power in Allah, that there's no power in, in Muhammad. There's no power in, in all of these different gods that people want to put forth, but there is power in the most high. And we'll talk about, because I can't preach that to you without acknowledging the fact that sometimes it doesn't seem like there's power in the most high. I can't preach that to you without acknowledging the fact that we don't always see God's greatness in the way that we want to see it. But that's not a problem with the greatness of his name. It's a problem somewhere else that we'll get to in a moment. But let's go back to Psalm 113, looking at verse number two. Um, no, I'm sorry, verse number three. It says, from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And we've said that song, we've said that verse over and over again. We've sang songs about it. And we say from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I remember a lady at my church growing up, she would say, she would always uh, get up and, and give her testimony. She'd say, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same sun, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy to be praised. And, and we didn't really get quite the idea because it's not actually saying that, first of all, verse number three is not about you praising the name of the Lord. It, it's really not. It's not about you praising God. You just take you out of it and read it again. Read it again without thinking about yourself in particular. 
and, and look at verse three. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. So if it's not talking about you as an individual, it's talking about you in a collection, but what is it really saying? It's saying from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And honestly, you know, I, I wish I could explain it better, but I can't. And so it's probably easier, easier to show you because it's not about you and it's not about you praising the Lord. It's actually about a place as opposed to a person. It's about a place. So when it says here, let's go, let's just go to Psalm 113 and three. And I had an idea that this is what it was saying. I was reading this scripture uh, recently and I said, you know, I don't think we're really looking at that scripture correctly. And so if we look at it here in the New International Version, it says from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Look at it again, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets the name of the Lord is to be praised. Let's look at it in the Hebrew. From the rising. So what does that mean? From the rising. From the rising means a place of sunrise, the east. So what is the scripture saying? We know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So what it's actually saying, it's not saying from the rising of the sun until you see it set outside, the sun is setting right now, that you should praise the Lord all day long. Because then if that were the case, then that means we don't actually praise him in the midnight. We don't actually praise him overnight. Like we could just praise the Lord from the time the sun rises to the time that it sets. But what it's actually saying is a, a, a better way in a 2020 version to say it would say, from New Zealand to Simona, the name of the Lord is to be praised. What am I saying there? New Zealand is the first place that sees the sun in the morning. And Simona is the last place that sees the sun in the evening. And the interesting thing is that they're not too far apart and there's nothing in between them. So New Zealand is here and Simona is here and New Zealand sees the sun rise first and Simona sees the sun set last. And he's saying from there all the way around the world to here, and everywhere in between, the name of the Lord is to be praised. From the east to the west, from the place where the sun rises to the place where the sun sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised and everywhere in between. So what he's saying is he's saying, I reign over all. There is no other God. There is no one before me. There is no one beside me. I am the Lord your God, and you shall love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with everything that is within you. The scripture tells us to praise him. And so that is what he is trying to convey to us. That is what the psalmist is trying to teach us, is that God's name is to be praised. Yes, you can praise him from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same sun, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about distance. It's talking about all nations. It's talking about all tongues. All creeds are supposed to praise the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I serve the one true and living God. I'm glad that I'm not stuck up in something with some God that's dead based off some individual who was created and never created anything. But I serve the God that created the heavens and the earth. I serve the God that created you and me, that created everything that is around us. And that is the God that I serve. Amen. You ought to give the Lord a praise right now just for knowing that you serve the God that is worshiped 
all throughout the world, that is to be worshiped all throughout the world, that is the only one true and living God. Everything that you need is caught up right in his name. Everything that you ever needed in your life, he said, he'll withhold no good thing from them that walk up rightly. So because you serve the one and only true God, all your needs are met. Because you serve the one and only true God, he's going to work everything out in your life if you let him. Now let's look really quickly before we go tonight, let's go to Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22. And let's see, we got to look real quickly at how it is that we don't see the power of God. How it is that we don't see the power of God. And, and the thing about, you know, I, I, I someone said uh, a long time ago, and, and I agree with this. It's not that a preacher should be a hypocrite or anything like that. But I, I heard a preacher say, you know, uh, man, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to preach certain things because, you know, because I struggle with certain things. And 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 the response back was, if you are preaching things as a pastor, preacher, teacher that don't come to you and hit you first and deal with you first, then just know you're not preaching high enough because we're all human. And so some of this stuff that I'm going to take you into, we're going to look in the book of Matthew, Luke, and then we're going to go to the book of Romans to close out. But here in the book of Matthew, chapter number 22nd, realize that this is an exhortation for us as we read this together. This is not to single you out. It's not to single me out. It's not to make anybody feel bad. But let's look at why we don't see the power of God, why we don't see, why we don't realize. And when I say realize, I'm not talking about in the mind. I mean, realize it as in we don't see it in action the way that we should. It's not realized in life why we are not realizing the greatness of his name. Matthew chapter 22, verses 23. The scripture says the same day, the Sadducees, and we know, again, this is a group of people who uh, uh, who had a form of godliness, like the scripture says, but denied the power, which is many times what we do. This is a group of people that, that believed in God, but did not see him in Jesus. It says the same day, these Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, they, the way that they interpreted the scripture, they didn't believe in a resurrection. They believed in the same God of Israel, but they didn't believe in a resurrection. Uh, the Pharisees did, but they had their own issues. And it says, they said that there was no resurrection. And it came to him and asked him saying, teacher, Moses said, so we're talking about the true and living God because Moses, as we know, gave the law from heaven. And they said, the Sadducees say, teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offsprings for the brother, for his brother. So they put it in Moses' mouth. It was really a commandment of God, but Moses is the one who gave it. And so they're speaking back to God, something said by Moses, but that was actually mandated by the person that they're talking to. So they're trying to trip him up, but they don't realize that they're actually repeating back to him his own words. So it says, saying, teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Verse 25, now there were with us, with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And they're like, oh, we got a good one here. So if there's really a resurrection, because we don't believe that there's a resurrection, but you didn't came on the scene now, and you're teaching about a resurrection. So you, you know, the, the law of Moses said, this is how it goes. Now, she's been married to seven men. 
Now all of them die. Now whose who's wife is it in the resurrection then? If there's going to be a resurrection, how are you going to determine whose wife? Now listen to what Jesus said. We really don't even care about the answer to this question. That's not the point of us reading this. Look at what Jesus says, verse number 29. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So that, that is really the first problem there. Sometimes we can even know the scripture. And here he's saying to them, you don't even know the scripture. But many times we know the scripture and still don't recognize the power of God. Why is that? It's because we many times like the Pharisees, like the Sadducees, we get caught up on certain things and we ignore the power of God and we just get caught up in the laws. We get caught up uh, um, uh, we get caught up in certain things. Now, there's actually the, the interesting thing about this, and, and this is why I like looking at other versions, because I'm reading to you from the New King James Version. Um, uh, I'm reading to you from the New King James Version, but what the scripture actually says, and, and this is where we fall short. The scripture says in Matthew chapter number 22, I'm just going to read it to you straight from the Greek. Because to be honest with you, I didn't realize that my version read the way that it did until I just read it. But what the scripture actually says is answering now, verse 29, answering now, Jesus said to them, you err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. And the way that that is interpreted is because he's saying you are in error because you do not know, you do not understand the scriptures. Now, the thing that's funny about it is because they did know the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, but they did not know them in light of the power of God. And that's what he was really uh, saying to them. It wasn't that they didn't know the scriptures, because you have to realize the Sadducees, the scribes, the Pharisees, they were all trained in the scriptures. They knew the scriptures very well, but what he was trying to get across to them is that you err. You may know the scriptures from the letter, but you don't know it in light of the power of God. And so many times we get stuck on certain things and we get stuck in certain uh, uh, facets of our relationship with God. And God is trying to get us to know the power. God is trying to get us to know the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's what he wants us to have. He wants us to be emboldened and emblazed with the, the power of God. And many times, if we're not careful, even doing a regular devotion, we're just reading the scriptures. We're reading the scriptures, but we're not reading them in light of the power of God. Yes, you need to read the scripture, but more importantly, you need to read the scripture, not for the sake of just reading the scripture, but you need to read the scripture so you know how to pray. You need to read the scripture so that you know what to pray. But in no way, shape, or form, and you get in trouble in some places for saying this, but no, in no way, shape, or form is this alone meant to get you to heaven. This is a catalyst to get you uh, uh, to a prayer life that gets you a relationship with God that gets you to the place that God wants you to be, okay? This is, this is a catalyst. This is merely a catalyst. This is word that God has left here for us. And, and it's not, I'm not discounting it by saying that, but what I'm saying to you is that you read this so that you understand him. This is not about being a book in and of itself. If it's just a book in and of itself that doesn't lead us to a relationship, then it's no better than any other history book. It's no better than any other book in any other library. The thing about this book, the thing that makes this book living is that as we read it and seek 
guidance from God, his Holy Spirit will open up our understanding to what we need from here, to what the scripture is trying to make plain to us. Because otherwise, when somebody comes up against us and says, well, you know, I just feel like the Muslims got their way. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, wh whatever you want to do is fine. And it, it doesn't really even matter what the scriptures say. But you know what? When I talk to people, I'm not talking to people when I tell them what I believe, even though sometimes, even as a pastor, even as someone who's been in church much of my life, I'll be honest with you, there are times where my faith is shaken in certain ways. But when I am going toe to toe, and not that I'm trying to argue with people, but if they ask me, I'm going to tell them. But when I'm talking to people about the word of God, I need them to understand. I can point you to a verse, but you not believing the Bible makes me know never mind because I've got an experience with God that cannot be uh, uh, deterred by your words. I've got an experience with God. And that's why as Christians, if we really want to be Christians, if we really want to be in relationship with God, if we really want to be somebody who can truly flat-footed say that we are a Christian, you got to do more than just read your Bible. You got to do more than even just know it from cover to cover. You have to be in a place because you're going to come up against somebody that don't care nothing about this Bible, don't care nothing about the word of God. They'll trample all over this thing. You got to, and, and they might even make some good sense. They might say some stuff that sound good and that, 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 that feels good. And like, you know, I would love to live my life like that or whatever the case may be, but you have to be in a place where you can say a person with an experience is not at the mercy of a person with an argument. You can argue all day, but I've had an experience with God that puts your argument to shreds. And if you ever open up yourself to really have an experience with God, then you will feel the same way that I feel. So you can trample over this word. You can trample over this Bible. You can say it's not to be believed. You can say ain't no way that a big fish swallowed up Jonah. There ain't no way that a Red Sea was parted. You know what? I don't know about all that. I know that it's in the Bible and I believe the Bible. I was not there to witness it firsthand. So I got to tell you everything that I read in here is actually hearsay, except for for the fact that I've got an experience with the man who pinned it. I've got an experience and the things that I have seen here in the word of God have rang true for me in my life. So while I would love to throw it away and go a different direction, while I would love to do something that's more convenient for my life, I've got an experience with God that I can't deny, okay? Luke chapter number five, and we're gonna let you go. Luke chapter number five, verses 12 through 16. 12 through 16. And, and I'm reading this verse for two separate reasons. Uh, and, and I'll stop at each point. It says, and, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one. Here's the first reason that we're reading it. But go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. His fame spread, his greatness, the greatness of his name spread about. But then here's the other reason that I'm reading it. It's the part that I wanted us to see and to understand. It says, so he, but, or it says so, but, but, the, but the best way to read this is, but he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. 
he he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And we know that the Lord uh, would stand up in the synagogue and he would read the scripture. You know, obviously he had no reason to necessarily always be reading the scripture. And back then it wasn't an easy thing to do. They were on scrolls. It wasn't some portable thing. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, you know, even when I hear people uh, talking in church and they say, you know, uh, y'all got all these Bibles on your phone. You know, I don't mind that. You know, you have some old school preachers that say things that y'all got all these Bibles on your phone. You need to get the, the word. You need to get it in printed form. And, and you know, my question for that you know they'll say things like they're gonna switch it up on you and you know all that kind of stuff well you know if that were to happen we all have one of these right uh but but more so the interesting thing is i just kind of wonder back when they used to read bibles on scrolls well for them this was probably something that they would have looked at like the older generation looks at phones. This is kind of a new invention, if you think about it, compared to the printing presses that they used of old. People literally just sat there transcribing it. Oh, you got something printed by one of them computers. Oh, yeah, see, they're going to change it around on you. Them computers are going to change it around on you. Uh, but but no, so we don't see God, uh, Jesus, necessarily always reading the scripture because it wasn't very practical back then. But one thing we always see him doing is praying. He was the word. I'm, again, not saying not to read your word. But if we're not careful, sometimes we spend more time reading our word than we do in prayer. And really, if, if, if I'm not going to give you a percentage or anything like that, but, but what I'm saying is I would rather see you reading your word 20% of the time and praying 80% of the time if you've got an hour than to see you reading scripture 80% of the time and then just praying for the last five minutes. Because when is this going to be downloaded to be activated within you? And that's what the point of this is. I don't care about Daniel and the lion's den. I don't care about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't care about David. I don't care about Paul. I don't care, except for the fact that this is written because something that David and Paul and 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 uh, Andrew and Peter and all of those people went through has something to do with the way God wants me to live my life. And that's what this is truly about. That's what the word of God is truly about. Now, here's the last place I want to go. Let's go back to the book of Psalms. Go back to the book of Psalms, um, chapter number 71. And this is where we're going to end if we don't have any questions. Um, Psalm chapter 71. This is our responsibility. This is our responsibility as parents. This is our responsibility as aunts and uncles. This is our responsibility as people. Because uh, not seeing the power of God is not an option. We've got to get to the place where we get revived back within ourselves, revived, allowing the spirit of God to take us over and, and get back to the place where we can see and proclaim the greatness of God's name, just like Daniel did, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and actually see the power of God working on a regular basis. That's how people are one to Christ. That's how people are one to Jesus is through seeing his power, seeing his power manifest, but he only does that through us. He only does that through us. So we have to be in a place where God's power can be seen and can be worked through us. Why? Psalm chapter 71, verse 18, it says, Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, 
your power to everyone who is to come. And that is our responsibility to continue to proclaim the power of God to our children, to our children's children, to our children's children's children, if they're around, to our nieces, to our nephews, to our brothers, to our sisters, to our parents, is to proclaim the name of the Lord to every generation. Behold, we were created for the glory of God. And he tells us, if you go read Matthew, if you if you have time tonight, go read uh, Romans, excuse me, not Matthew, Romans chapter number one, and, and just begin to look there about how he shows, about what he says about how the power of God is made known. He says it's made known through the sun and the stars. And so no one can say that, that that it was uh that that they didn't know or they didn't understand God. He said he makes himself clear in so many different ways, and and essentially it's saying there in Romans chapter one that he has proven himself. Just like we looked at in Second Samuel when we were opening, that the ways of the Lord are proven. The ways of the Lord are proven perfect. Amen. Amen. Do we have any uh, questions or any comments tonight before we dismiss? Uh, I was thinking as you were speaking, and it is very important for us to have a relationship with God, first through prayer, then through reading for understanding, and then to be an example of what it is that we read and believe. Amen. Um, all right. All righty. Well, if we don't have any other questions or comments, then we are going to go ahead and uh, and dismiss. I thank the Lord for all of you uh, who, who made it out this evening. Uh, and we just want to remember the greatness of the Lord it is our responsibility to proclaim the greatness of the Lord and to make sure not just to proclaim it from saying it, but to proclaim it from living it, to proclaim it from uh, a, a place where we begin to get deeper back in our relationship with God to the place where it's proclaimed through our actions, it's proclaimed through who we are and the way that we live our lives. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time that we have with you this evening. God, we ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to just rest, rule, and abide in our lives, oh God. Lord, allow your power to be seen through us, God. Don't let us be like the Sadducees, Lord Jesus, who knew the scripture, but, but really didn't understand the scripture and did not have a grasp or know the power of God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know the power of God. Help us, Father, to live the power of God and help us, Father, to do like you did, Lord Jesus, uh, to withdraw and pray, to just go into our solitude and pray to just meditate on you, meditate on your word, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 12.45 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road, from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.